Hello, welcome back to Subroy Podcast. Please tonight's got two usual men in the studio, Harvey and Zachary. How are you, boys? I'm doing very well, very well. I mean, what a what a weekend of rugby! I um, this is the most excited I've been for rugby in ages. Like I'm 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 on, I'm on the hype train. It's class. I'm watching your jersey. YouTube. Your jersey you've got on actually looks like a little uh, New Zealand club side. We. I was gonna say it like a, it's like a media like cup. A- but- it's like media cup kind of vibes, you know, and like North Harbour kind of third kit or something. It's um, like a Mexican is, football top or something. Yeah, this is Las Pumas. Yeah. Um, it was on on it was like forty percent off Pro Direct Soccer. Check it out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that is decent. It reminds me. Do you remember like the Un? Is it Unam? Their badge. I used to love mm-hmm. that badge. Yeah, that was a oh, class side. They Probably were. terrible side, but decent badge. That's all that matters. It reminds me of the Richmond kit. Actually, Richmond yeah. is a good, yeah, you're right. Actually, we love the championship, but we love the sadly, championship. We're, we're not championship today as much as we love it. Um, we're talking big boy, big boy rugby. The peak, they might say, of the pinnacle is the North v the South, biggest test matches around, and it's a clean sweep, boys. That's the title of the pod, the clean sweep. And might not have this for maybe. Could be 20, 30 years. It's gonna be very rare that you'll get a clean sweep again on the one weekend. You may have teams winning and stuff, but on the one weekend, that's extremely rare. So just on the whole, last week we were saying potentially the southern hemisphere are back. Are they gone now? Or are we just coming to the conclusion that Northern and the Summer's Hemisphere are now even par? That's the whole point. We win one week, they win one week. That's the way it's gonna go over the next few years rather than pure whitewashes. Well, I think I think first of all, um, it's fair to say it's never happened in the modern era because Wales have never won in the Southern Hemisphere in the modern era, which therefore means um, there's never been a clean sweep, and then it also means that there's never been every single home nation side going into the final. final well, you mean series. you mean the big against the big three? They've been yeah, Argentina. Think, yeah, big three, big three. We'll look, yeah, so we'll not we'll not include Argentina. Um, so well, even for the end, but still, um, I mean. I suppose if we're kind of doing this as an introduction, then we'll get into the games. I mean, like, well, maybe we'll save it. I suppose we'll save, actually, the chat about Wales, because, I mean, like, Wales are playing South Africa B team. So um, let's, not, let's, not, let's not go too crazy. But it was a very successful weekend, nonetheless. Yeah. Well, well sure, we'll get into it. We'll get straight in. Ireland, New Zealand. Ireland beat New Zealand. But again, if we're talking about arguments as why maybe the Southern Hemisphere are superior is... He's in the 14 man the whole game's act. So the you know, you just gotta, you know, draw a line through it. It doesn't count. Uh is I'm, what you're hearing a lot of the public say, but maybe that's I mean, a bit like, harsh. I think deep down they are very hurting the New Zealand public. It's just like it's like it's like what do you want? It's like you're not trying to you're trying to just make excuses, you're trying to make it out like I'm not crying, you're crying. You know, that's kind of what that's what it feels like. They need to calm everyone needs to calm down and actually realize that. You know, Ireland were superior in every way. Fair enough. There's an argument to be made that they should have put the All Blacks away when it was 15 v 15. But the same thing is they were winning. Johnny Sexton made that point. They were winning when it was when they were 15 versus 15. New Zealand scored a try at the end of the first half, which was fluky as get out. And then they scored a try right at the very end, which didn't even mean anything in the end up. Ireland, it was a thorough something. If it was 15 back against 15, I reckon, you know, Ireland probably could have even won by more. Because you know, we talk about the psychological 
aspects of a red card. I mean, you look at last week, Australia won the game and they played a portion of the game with a red card. And then we play them against with 15 and we beat them. So, are we it is, in, the six, in yeah. the Six Nations when England got an early red card? You're very quick to jump on that bandwagon of it ruins the game, it doesn't count. Like, vibe, yeah, it's not a fair representation, maybe is the phrase that we should use a fair representation of the two sides. Yeah, it's a, I don't know, the, the, you could probably pick loads of examples, couldn't you, through history of like where it benefits a team and also negatively affects the team. I think the conclusion after all the biases and everything that got drawn out of that game was you probably would have beat us by a lot more if you'd have actually played 15, even against England at that point, because let's be honest, we were in tatters and you were kind of much more, you were in a much better position than we were anyway. Um, I, yeah, I, I don't know. It's one of those, like obviously it has to be part of the game. It will always be part of the game, but it seems to be one of the only games where red cards are a thing where it's so common. Like it's getting more and more common red cards. And I think, you know, with the use of technology, you can't miss it these days. The amount of people that have got eyes on the game, not to mention the way you can retrospectively go back, which is something that I don't think happens in any other sport. This is particularly within the game itself. You can go retrospectively back after the game's finished, but the fact that you can go like five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten phases down the line and pull an action on what's happened is, I think, very unique to rugby. And I think that's why you get so many of these reds and you get so many yellows as well, for that matter. Um, and it's all part of the game for a reason because it's extremely physical. And obviously, we don't want we don't want injuries and we don't want life threatening scenarios to happen for these rugby players, but it, like from a from a purely neutral entertainment point of view, I don't think it does anyone a benefit. Like yeah. unless you're going to play that, if unless that match is a final or it's a title winning, you know, match tournament winning match where the result is the only thing that really matters anyway, it's just dead for everyone in my opinion. Like it doesn't it doesn't help anyone. But do you think the common theme here is that? You know, Ireland now have had two big games. Probably the two most excited I've been for a Test match this year because I've always said, well, other than the French game, which we got beat fair and square, but it was a good Test match. I've, I've, I've targeted Twickenham and Down in New Zealand as the two away games that I wanted to pick up a result from uh, in terms of a fan's perspective. Um, and they both come away and the, the games have been ruined for red cards. But on the flip side, Ireland never seemed to be finding themselves since the Peter O'Malley incident a few years back. They've never really found themselves in that problem of red cards. So maybe New Zealand will learn from this because, Zach, I don't know what you thought about earlier on in the game. Like, they were lucky not to be down to 14 earlier on with the, <coughs> the first with the first incident. Um, yeah. I think, or, yeah, I mean, like... New Zealand's um, New Zealand's discipline was the worst I've ever seen it. New Zealand are a team that pride themselves on discipline and hanging in. Even when games aren't going their way, they always find a way to win. And down to that, the kind of bedrock and foundation of that kind of mentality does come down to their discipline. Um, obviously, they push the boundaries a lot, but I've never seen a New Zealand side as ill-disciplined as that. You know, it was I'm, I'm you know we've discussed it in previous pods. I've always been one where. I think the red card ruins games. I think especially if you're playing away from home and the home team gets a red card, if anything, it gives the home team an advantage to kind of fans get behind you even more and gives you that edge kind of psychologically. But I mean, like I, at that point, I was just like, just give the red because like it's just it's becoming ridiculous now. Like you have to be completely penalised on this. Um, and also like New Zealand, I think in just in general, like New Zealand just weren't at the races, which like when was the last time you said that about a, like a New Zealand 
side, you know. Like they were the lucky to go in at half time, three points down. They Ireland, so Ireland know, really and, should have left some more points in there and buried them before half time, but bit of boating yeah. magic. Well, not really magic, but a boating luck. We nutmeg, don't see that often. I, like, I, don't, uh, I, was, I was so annoying, but like, there's what well, the media reaction in New Zealand. There's a one of the kind of talk show rugby talk shows. Um, guy Stephen Bates said he was watching it with his family. And they all said at halftime, don't worry, the All Blacks are going to win. This happens all the time, and we always come out and we win. And the credit the Ireland, they came out at the start of the second half, and um, and they were amazing. I think, let's not, let's not just, uh, to be honest, let, let the New Zealand media, let people talk about how it wasn't fair and how there was a red card and it's not a true reflection. Let them talk about it, because if it was 15 v 15, Ireland still would have won. If they want to go in with this mentality on Saturday that, oh, you know, we're going to, it's a completely different game, 15 by 15. Let them do that because we'll just smack them again. Well, as you see with Sexton's post-match interview, the first thing he said was when when it, we scored, when it was 14 by 14, when we had the yellow card as well. So he made yeah. it very clear that Ireland were on top when it was even. And even, you had three big incidents there. You had the the first one of Mac Hansen, which a lot of people, Tom Foley, shout out on, on TMO, said that it may be hit chest and then first. So I can see the argument of that. Um, not just because he's on the ball. Genuinely, I can see the argument. There was an argument there. This Obviously, the red card, there was no arguments and there hasn't really been any sense other than the rules should get changed for big prop because they can't move their body quick enough. Which is, I can see the argument. And then the third one was when Sexton went through and went to give the ball back inside to Ringrose and Ringrose got taken out and... That should have probably been a penalty try. So they got away with a penalty try, and that was a yellow no, card. So they had three incidences where they should have lost players. And, and well, on all three of them, they did lose players for two yellows and a red. Like, you can't have two yellows and a red in a game and expect to win it. So I don't think this will be an issue in that final test, surely. And if it is, then they do have a proper issue because, yeah, maybe back in the day. And the but you got to remember as well. Not anymore. You got to remember as well, though, that like discipline isn't just a black and white thing of like, oh, you just don't feel like abiding by the rules one day. That's down to Ireland's pace. That's down to Ireland's quality. That's why it's the particularly in you mentioned the, you know, you could even argue the Mac Hansen one because, you know, that's he's got a clear way down the line. He's obviously put a good kick in. It's desperation and it's what's led to stupidity that then brings out the debate and obviously the eventual yellow. Exact same for the penalty try opportunity as well. And then, you know, you. Everything else, just fast pace of play. There's so many other factors that come into like ill discipline. And I've seen it as an England fan because we're one of the worst culprits for when you, you know, the going gets tough and you're under the cosh. Players start getting ratty. Players start, you know, not abiding by the rules because they're trying to find shortcuts. They're trying to find, you know, alleviate pressure and things like that. So it's all come from Ireland. It's come from the quality of Ireland, which is mm. where you guys should just look at. They've, they've clearly not figured out a way to deal with that. If this is the way, if this is their answer two yellows and a red, you know, and you have much more permanent damages from doing that as well. So if you guys can maintain that pace, maintain that quality, maintain pressure whilst in possession, playing against this All Blacks team, they clearly are rattled. They clearly will be rattled when they do that. It's it's out of their comfort zone. They don't. I mean, I think, there's plenty of teams that love to be out of possession, but New Zealand don't seem to be one of them. Yeah, I think you're, you're bang on. However, I think Ireland just really did rattle them. And I think one of the I think one of the big points, well, one of the one of the key, I think one of the the if not one of the key moments in the game just after the red card, substituting the red card or taking off Artie Savea for the red card player. 
Like, well, there's been a lot said about that look. since that there was a lot of miscommunication and New Zealand kind of, yeah, it basically but was. A- but that's not New Zealand. New Zealand are a slick rugby outfit. Like no, the rule book inside out. out. They will have this all planned. Like if you watch any, like the, the All or Nothing documentary or, you know, go back and listen to the Richard Kahui pod. These guys, like they live and breathe rugby. They know everything. They're a slick, well-oiled machine. They're so rattled that like their coaches completely mess it up. I think that's the biggest, for me, that was the biggest um, point in the game because having someone like Savea on the field when it's not going your way and things aren't going right, he keeps the discipline. He leads by example. He is a leader. Uh, so not ha- having him on was was massive. Um, no, there's, there's definitely it's definitely gonna be a very even final test with all the things we've discussed. And as I said before, it's very 2017 Lions vibe. A lot of controversy, a lot of things should have went, should have went. But in terms of we can chat about all these things that kind of everyone's talking about. I think that I want to kind of chat is the whole narrative about beacon early or whatever. In my opinion, the last two times Ireland have beaten the All Blacks, they haven't played to their best. They have not reached their potential this side, and they've, they've, they've ju- they can just not find a way of winning these games where they leave chances out there. They're not 100%. Like, it wasn't like in England against the All Blacks in the semi-final of the World Cup where it was a vintage performance, everything went right. Ireland's in Dublin and now in Dunedin, just the left, you know... Left opportunities out there, so I would disagree with that narrative because I feel this Ireland team still have a long way to grow, and that's why I'm confident if we're going to chat now, there's a predictions and preview for the final test. I think if they can get it all right, it could be one of the greatest days in Irish rugby history is emphatically winning a test series in New Zealand. But on the other hand... Is it still, it's always New Zealand, but is this still New Zealand, like the New Zealand we used to think about? Because if you think about all their last big games I chatted about last week, they are losing more than they're winning these days in terms of when they're playing the big boys. Yeah, I think this New Zealand side, I think, um, well, I mean, if you bring a South African into the bit, they'll tell you that South Africa is the true great rugby nation and New Zealand just peaked in the kind of 2011 to 2015. And I think you're kind of seeing maybe a bit of balance restored in that area. Um, I think they're not the team they used to be. I mean, they're not, they don't have the same players they used to have. Um, Sam Kane is just not the leader. And the Ron Nagara this week said, because he was always down for the Crusaders for a long time, he said he's seen a lot of these players that are now playing for New Zealand. And he said, they're not all black standard yet. Like usually you have to do your time. And so remember you used to always chat with New Zealand, yep. do your time. Like, Fair to someone like Will Jordan's done his time, but there's boys like, like fine, you just came in there on the wing. Like, usually you wouldn't come in that quick, you would have to buy your time a bit more. And it does seem that there, yeah, lots of super rugby players, Ogara said, that are kind of the All Blacks that he looks at and coached. And he's like, they're not, you know, what All Blacks used to be anyway, which is not disrespecting them, it's just they're not ready yet. They will be ready, but. Yeah, it's just more of a standards thing, and that's just golden eras. They pass, but at the same time, I'm slightly scared this week that they're going to respond. They're just one of those sides that you never know what you're going to get. I think, yeah, they're kind of they're really hot or cold. I think all blacks of old. When I say all blacks of old, I mean kind of all blacks, kind of in that early 2010s kind of period, the two World Cup winning sides. Um, 
sometimes they turned it on and were unbelievable, unbelievable, but they're kind of their baseline, their kind of minimum performance was always a seven out of 10. Um, and that kind of was enough, the base to kind of get them wins. Whereas now it's kind of like they could have an unbelievable blast in Eden Park for 15 minutes, which I think you should caveat with the fact that, I mean, it was just sloppy Ireland mistakes. Ireland don't make mistakes. Ireland basically used up all their mistakes for the year inside 15 minutes at Eden Park. So, I mean, um, just well, you, you kick us off, Zach, in terms of predictions, final test. Oh, and if you are going, if you are going to fight, if you are going to Ireland to win, say as well if this, if that would be the greatest moment in Irish rugby history. I know I keep saying that line, I love throwing it out there, but but I think, I think you have to, you'd say that before that, one of the greatest moments in Irish rugby history, things that are up there, 2009 Grand Slam was, was pretty special. And then the Grand Slam team before that, which was years ago, I think beating All Blacks the first time in Chicago and then beating them for the first time in Dublin. But I mean, this would surely trump it all, a series win in New Zealand. I'd also like to say one more thing. I've just actually looked it up there on Wikipedia. The last time the All Blacks got beat by more than a score so outside of seven points was 1993 against the Lions. Lions won 27. So red card or not, Ireland thumped them. And I think they'll carry on the momentum. Beat the Mario All Blacks today. Um, yeah, Ireland will carry on the momentum. I'm fully predicting. That'll um, annoy them too. They want. They care about those Mario games a lot. Um, oh, big time, big time. Um, you definitely got that vibe in the commentating and things like that and the kind of New Zealanders that we're in. Like, these Maori games are, are big. You know, they're still wearing a black jersey. It's vitally important. Um, so to get them a If you go, Zach, if you're, if you're doing it emphatic or are you just going win? I'm going emphatic. I'm saying Ireland win the series by 15 points. Shock the world. Give us that number one status. Um, I'll be honest. Like, I really, I really think... I really do think we're going to win. I don't think it's going to be as loose. Like, the All Blacks will respond. They're still the All Blacks. Like, I know we're trying to paint them out to be, like, you know, they're worse than Australia or something. Like, they're still an incredible, one of the best nations in the world. It's just we're not used to them playing at their own. I'd say the world rankings. I'd say they're fourth best team in the world. I think that's fair. I think yep, the current rankings to where they're at. I think, I, think that's, I think that's fair. And for them, obviously, <laughs> that's not good enough. Um no, I think um, Johnny Sexton summed it up in his post-match interview. They're fully set on next Saturday, so I expect the expect I expect the win. Um, I don't think New Zealand can bounce back that much. I mean, I don't know; could be wrong. Um, but yeah, I think um, yeah, uh, we can't all be in agreement. We know that that's not how this podcast works. So, um... <laughs> you've been you've been quiet. Let us know what what's your. New Zealand are a very funny team because I think, particularly with the era that we've all grown up in, you put them on this pedestal as one of the greatest teams. Because, like Tell said, the golden generation is probably where we all, well, not me in particular, but you two, <laughs> properly, properly got into your rugby and who was at the top, it was New Zealand for a very sustained period of time. And, you know, you've seen over the last few years, those top, top players, the most influential players of that era who have all started to kind of fall off now. And most of them are retired, obviously. Um and like you said, New Zealand are kind of this churn of talent, aren't they? And no one ever really keeps this keeps in the side for a sustained period of time unless you're a real core cool member. So 
I just think, yeah, they've got that culture. They are like, it's a proper culture thing. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know if it is just a Southern Hemisphere thing, but particularly with South Africa and New Zealand, they seem to literally, and I don't mean live, they genuinely just die. They suffer and they just bleed rugby. Like it just means, and I know Ireland, it's the biggest sport in the country or whatever, probably partly with GAA, but like, it's- I would say, honestly, I think if you ask genuinely, if you ask any person, I think maybe it's a bit different in like Northern Ireland. I would say it's probably second yeah. behind football, but people but would I, regard it as third. Like, yeah, but I, I can guarantee if you're walking down the street in Dublin compared to walking down the street in Auckland, 99 out of the 100 people you walk by would have watched that New Zealand game if you're in Auckland, whereas 75, 80% of the people have probably watched it in Dublin. And that's not a big gap. Like, that's incredible support, obviously. And I think that's the same probably even less in England, Scotland. It's obviously, it's it's a passionate sport. We love it up here. But I genuinely, genuinely think they live and die by the sport. And I'm not underestimating that phrase when I say it. And I think that's the difference for them. Like, you see how emotional the media has been in New Zealand. And sometimes that might get the better of the side. I think they have an incredible amount of pressure put on that team. Um, and when you're churning through that talent, that's tough because you don't know how people are going to react to it, particularly some of the younger guns. But this is their biggest they year since. The yeah, they don't 20th. have an option to lose this, in my opinion. They don't have an option to lose this. Yeah, that's what I mean. Ireland, Ireland will find, can find positives out of any light and will find positives out of any light. And like you said, they're still progressing anyway. So there's things there. But for me, yeah, New Zealand just don't have an option to lose here. Like they're going to, they're just going to want it that extra 5%. And that's going to be the difference for me. Um, Unless there's a, just a sheer, like you said, everything, all the cogs tick together for Ireland. I can't see Ireland getting away with a 75, 80% performance and winning that game. I just don't see it happening. Um, I still, I, yeah, I think I think you're right. But I think I still think this Ireland game still, a team still has another gear to get through this series. Yeah. You know, but if, sports and, you, know, you know, the world of sport is imperfect. There's very, very, the very, very, very few games that you can ever pick out in history where a team's been perfect. Like it doesn't happen. It's not a thing. You know, you just have to maintain that consistent level. And if that's the level where there are a few errors, don't get me wrong, you're playing an incredible team. Like sometimes the errors aren't necessarily your fault. They're forced by other factors. Like it's, it's put, to pull across an in, a perfect game away in New Zealand, you deserve everything that comes towards you. And I hope you get ranked number one and I hope you take the momentum forward to the World Cup. But it's very rare and I don't think it happens anywhere near as much as people think. Um, I just, yeah, I don't know. I see, I can see New Zealand winning it. I think but it'll be tight. No, I know it's not, it's not no going to be like the side, first test. No side has done it since um, England in 2003. And we all know how in exactly. 2003. Like, to win down there, it means that you believe you can do anything. Um, Consistently the only as well, over a test series. The only, the only difference is, kind of, the World Cup's in France. Um, so they're flipping hard, but... Looks like if Ireland, if the draw goes their way, probably will meet the All Blacks in the quarterfinals. So just have that confidence they can beat them. Um, but that's like that's the fun. debate. Sorry, I just want to mention that. That's the debate you can also have though. It's like this is thing, this is what I mean though. We grow up with we put this New Zealand team on a pedestal, but ultimately it's a summer test series against fourth seed. Like fourth seed, third seed, whatever it was a couple of years ago was Australia, England, and you win a test series against them, you're happy about it, but it's not the greatest moment in your club's hist- in your country's history. Like, but I think, but, but I think it's different because, like, I think seeding kind of goes out the window when you play New Zealand and New Zealand, because you've got the factors of Eden Park and, and the the home side and and the culture that kind of brings them through. It kind of takes them should should take them to another le- 
another level, and that's a reason why they haven't lost the home series since 2002. Before that, I mean, but I think we could all agree that, like, for me anyway, a test series win in New Zealand would probably feel that a little bit more special than a test series win against South Africa. And in my head at the moment, South Africa are head and shoulders better than New Zealand. Yeah. So it doesn't 100%. like, and that's that's a reputation, a culture thing. That's a you just because you just indoctrinated into thinking that New Zealand are the best team in the world and have been for a very long time. Yeah, I remember 2017 Lions. Too, I remember thinking like when they neared it, I was like, "This is literally immortality." Like if they win this mm. test, like this, you can't get better. But that was the first time I felt you can beat these guys. And for like we're being a bit bit harsh on them, like. They should have won the 2007 World Cup. They bottled that. So they were the favourites in 2007, 2011 and 2015. And then 2019 kind of, well, some lines onwards. I've not really seen it. But yeah, a bit negative on New Zealand, but it's not negative. We're just exploring the apologies. I know we've got a decent listening base in New Zealand. No, I just think New Zealand are an incredible side, but they're not like, they're not this immortal team. They they get beat quite consistently these days. I think, And it's think- not... I think the country needs to admit that. I think that's from yeah. media reaction. I think some people are, but there's a few. I'm just like, seriously, lad, just just admit the fact that you guys are actually got serious issues and you can't just blame it on others. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know. Yeah. So we're, uh, on the whole, 2-1 Ireland. And then on to England, Australia. England ran out 19-0 up. Looked good. They leave the Nepalas, nailed down that eight jersey. JVP, Harvey's favourite boy at nine, running the ship, looking like the new nine now. Bye bye, Rafi. Bye bye, Harry Randall. Thank you very much. <laughs> lots of lots of things going well. And then, yeah, the wheels just came off. But rather than the wheels continuing to fall off, England had that second wind and closed it out. So a mixed bag, but however, at the end of the day, 1 1. And in a series, you all you wanted after that first game was a decider and you've got it. So you must you must be delighted, but at the same time, still frustrated, but at the same time again, it's a new team. It's gonna take time. Yeah, it's yeah, I think you never put the nail on the head. To be honest, it's it's still very much an experimental side. I think there's some shining lights in there, as there always is. For me, this series so far, anyway, the one thing that surprised me the most has been Australia's clinicalness. I don't think anyone really thought they had that in them. Like the amount, I, I don't know what the exact percentage is off the top of my head, but their arrivals in the 22 converted to points is probably really good. I would probably say it's probably one of the best out of all the teams currently playing in the test series. Is, that's not even a word, but you know what I mean? At the moment, like <laughs> they really don't need to dominate a game or really have territory for that matter to put points on a team. And maybe that's down to us. Maybe we need to look at ourselves for that, but. They seem to just go up a gear when they get near the try line and we seem to want to put ourselves in reverse and walk backwards every time we get near them, which is the weird thing. And I think, I don't know, that benefits them, obviously, in terms of the scoreline and makes makes it seem like it's a closer game. But I think over the balance of play, we've, in both tests, completely dominated them. But I think it's just, they've had these purple patches. They had one once again, but like you said, we just managed to find that extra gear and, and work our way through it. We had enough of a gap to make it work. Um, but yeah, it's it, like you said, it's all it's very experimental. This team, particularly off the bench, like there's no real, you know, Danny Kerr is the most experienced player on there, but there's no real leaders. There's no, there's no one to like shore it up. There's no one. It's it's very very low caps. It's very, I don't know. It's and maybe that's just selection issues at the moment, and maybe that's Eddie's plan. Who knows? But 
Well, at the end of the day, these, these are the boys that are going to have to do it in the World Cup because there's only there's only a Six Nations around the corner, really. Um, if you're on games or whatever, and then you're into it. So, like, they're, they're not going to have more than 10 caps at this stage. Like, But um, to me, it's, it's I know, I know that you're not going to walk into any competition having no injuries, but off the top of my head, the likes of Carl Sinclair, we've got a mini crisis going on at seven. You know, all these players that will come into the team and should be a, should play a key role in the team who aren't featuring at the moment. You know, even things like, I know I slay him so much, but Elliot Daly, Anthony Watson, players like that, who realistically, if they don't start, are going to be on the bench, especially someone like Elliot Daly, um, to just give you that bit of experience. I don't mind an experimental first 15, but I think as a 23-man squad, you need, I don't know, well-roundedness. You need a mix of everything. And I think it's, I don't know. It's it's one of those test series. I think we all looked at this test series when we first walked into it and thought there's no real way, like, unless we battered them by 40 points every game, that it was going to be emphatic for England. But we need to win this test series, that's for sure. Uh, I think we will win in the test series as long as they keep 50 men on the pitch because we don't seem to be able to play against the red card. Um, and I think I think we'll be fine. But weird test series. I think it's more just about seeing those newer players, but then mixing them and integrating them with the players that come in as well. I don't know. It's, yeah, it's, it's similar to what France did last, was it last <laughs> summer when they went down to Australia and left the big boys in France and then just started to build depth. And the arguments there, I know Ireland have had the Mario All Black games where they've started to see the likes of Kieran Treadwell and boys like this that have proved their worth um, at that level that can step in when the likes of a Henderson and stuff get injured. So Ireland have done it a slightly different way, which is quite smart from far and those that you were ready against the Marys, but you know I think I think it's one of those things it's kind of like I, I was actually thinking about it today like you look at um football equivalents people are like yeah I'm glad I'm out of the league cup and the FA cup so I can focus on the league and the Champions League but it's just kind of like yeah but also the flip side is if you utilize those games to um what they can offer in terms of momentum then actually they become the best possible thing I just think personally it's not worth the risk but I mean, Ireland utilised it. They now have all the momentum going in. That's but for me, for me, if England like, what the scary thing from an Irish perspective is the guys that have come in. There's been no one that hasn't looked comfortable at that level. Like Freeman's now the next boy to look like I can I can chill here for fifty to whatever caps. Craig Stewart, no worries. Marcus Smith, no worries. Jack, Jack Van Portfleet, no worries. You know, everyone's just slipping in there. And Freeman was another one to add to the list. Will Joseph, Harry Arundel. I know we didn't see much of Will Joseph. Obviously, we all know about Harry Arundel. So, everyone that is stepping in for Eddie uh, has proven that, that they can play at that level, which, in terms of building depth, it's something that we knew England always had. But it's a, real, it's a real positive to come out of the series, to be fair to them. Like, they have genuine depth. But Depth. that depth comes from the premiership you know playing week in week out whether it's yeah Newcastle like Sir Freeman and stuff would Dynamic. still be doing their apprenticeships behind James Lowe at Leinster at the end of the day but he's playing week in week out for Northampton so it's the way it is in Ireland you do your you do your time and then you get your chances but conversation for another day yeah I think it's one of those it's going to come down to obviously it's going to come down to Eddie's selection I think because you know two more popped in my head in Henry Slade and Manny Tuolangi who if he can ever be fit, you know, I'm not exaggerating, but they're like a, a World Cup winning centre partnership. 
And you've got Porto who's come in and done an absolute shift. You've got Farrell who's a competent, more than a competent, probably a natural 12 these days. There's so There will be so many options. I think we're going to have two or three men deep of people who are comfortable and have played international rugby by the time... I know we don't want to talk about just the World Cup, but we have to use a, some sort of timeline, otherwise this just goes into the abyss. Um, no, Farrell, Farrell and Laws showed proper leadership there when it, when yeah. when it got tough. Laws, a few jackals. Farrell, just a few big defensive sets and nice crossfield kick to Jack Noel, um, who's come on very well in this series. Just low-key rated. You always know what you're going to get of him. <laughs> Proven rock solid on that wing. But yeah, those two falling out, I realise we're not ever going to sit in this pod and chat about Owen Farrell and Johnny Six not being around for the World Cup because those two both want to be around for the World Cup. And Laws, weirdly, is that type of captain that will lift the World Cup and let Farrell take one hand. Like, do you know what I mean? He's that type of guy, which is a cracking captain to have. And I, yeah. yeah, I really, I think Courtney Laws has proven this series that he is captain going forward and Farrell has proven that he wants to prove that he can be a big leader. So those two of the youngsters coming through, it's starting to click. But I've always said, is it too too late? Should this have been happening straight after the World Cup in 2019? Yeah, I it's, think yeah, it's similar to three. Kind of like you look at Lawrence Delalio, Martin Johnson, you need big leaders, leaders who used to be captains, who aren't for various reasons. I think um, that's the key to any kind of international test side. You know, those big leaders, Ireland would always have it in Paul O'Connell. Um, I think, yeah. So. No, definitely. I think, yeah, it's it's all looking forward, isn't it? We've, I don't want to sound like a broken record, but it is just a... Like you said, it's a gamble, but you have there had to be some sort of change because it wasn't going right. Um, I'm like an old new cat. I'm weird. I've never really, obviously, been massively cheerleader for England, but like I, I really like Guy Porter, Harry Arundel, Freeman. These guys. I don't know if you see a bit more of their personality with the whole. I'm bless you, business off that I watch videos of hugging their mum and dad <laughs> and first after the game, like so. I'm sure I would do that if I watched more of Ireland, give a bit more behind the scenes. But now uh, something about a realness about some of these players. And Danny Kerr said a good thing. Um, he said that at the end of the day, you need to grow as a group and you need to all get on with one each other. So it's very easy from the outside to say, oh, this guy should be called in because he's playing well in the Premiership. But if you've built all these bonds for yeah. months, well, why would you just throw it away and bring someone new in? Because it's like starting a new job. It's going to take a few weeks, a few months to kind of fit in and feel settled and be joking about so what I've heard you know for this shirt and stuff for the boys that are leading most of the socials and things like that nowadays which is exactly what Eddie would have wanted that we Leicester spine is kind of back with him Jesm and Jack Van Polkplate so uh, no interest in so predictions anyway final test I think I think Australia are going to do it I've, I think over the two games they've been the better side look more dangerous to be more clinical I think could be in for this could be a deep one one for the ages i.e. drop kick to win it penalty to win it last minute try conversion that type of game so now I'm going to go Australia by three Leon yeah I think I think whoever starts the game the strongest may edge it you may kind of like if you start off sprinting from the blocks you might kind of stumble over the line ahead of your opponent 
Um, you saw you saw last week, Alice Gaines bounces Hooper first couple of minutes, game on, sets the tone. Um, I think if, if whoever comes out with that kind of same sort of start, if England do it again, uh, I think England may kind of get the start required to kind of see it out. But if Australia start well, I think, um, yeah, but it's going to be tight either way. It's going to be a kind of photo finish. Yeah, no, I think I'm obviously going to back my boys. Um, I don't think it'll be a runaway. I think this whole series is showing that it's going to be tight. Neither team seems to ever be out of it, no matter how big the scoreline gets. So, um, yeah, no, I think it's going to be tight. I think it's going to be it's just going to be England, like, but probably five points in it, maybe a twenty in the twenties for both of them. But I don't know, twenty-eight, twenty-three, any, something like that. Any worries about um, Marcus Smith? He's it's the first time I've seen him rattled in a game. Like, you know, I know it came through, but like he was having a few niggles off the ball and stuff and got himself yellow carded and a few big boys went over him. And yeah, he's, he's learning the hard way. Boys are going to go after him at this level and he needs to talk to anyone about boys going after you. He needs to chat to Farrell and Sexton because just what happens when you're the man. Yeah, well, he's, he's a tricky one, isn't he, in terms of he's probably commanded his team since he's been like 21. Uh, whether that be in the in the first few caps he had for England when when Farrell was out, or the amount of caps he's got for Quinns, it's always been the same for him, and the team kind of revolves around him when he plays. But it doesn't seem to be obviously with this system that we're going to play with Farrell at twelve, that can't happen. And you need to rotate; it needs to alternate between the two of them. Um, and I think he's just adjusting to it. And I think, like you said, the pace of the international game. He's adjusting to as well, still maturing to it all as well. I think it'll all be good in in the future, but it's just yeah, it's an adjustment, especially with a player like that. You know, a tricky player, a a player who plays off creativity. It's it's the adjustment. I feel like always takes a little bit longer than someone that's just the nuts and bolts. Um, so, but it'll come to him. I have no doubt about that. Well, I'll be interested seeing those big big games down the line. You know, big South Africa. Someone would. Eddie uh, put Farrell at 10, put Smith on the bench, but like he did with Ford when we just randomly dropped Ford in the World Cup, which was everyone was baffled by, but happens. Um, yeah, interesting series. So potentially could be another win for the North Hemisphere. And then on to the final one. Zach, you were very quick to say it doesn't right, well, count. Well, but just to clarify, we've got Scotland, you know, we've still got Scotland, so you gotta gotta have a wee bit of a preview for your dad. Like no, no, I, I just mean on to the final one that um <coughs> that kind of, of, of the of the big of the big series against the big three. Obviously Scotland Argentina is very important, but um the big the final big one in terms of that one. I think it's very harsh to say, you know, Swapping made 14 changes, blah blah blah. Because Wheels should have won the first test. And then South Africa probably should have won the second test. We'll snuck at the end. So over the two games, rotate side or not, it should be 1-1. Wales have shown enough quality that this series should be 1-1. And it is 1-1. And is it disrespectful to the likes of Marcel Coutsias, um, the likes of these top quality international players that are stepping in? And South Africa's depth is just incredible. I've said it many times. If, you, if South Africa put two teams in the World Cup, probably going to meet each other in the semi-final. Yeah, well, yes and no. I mean, there's two ways to look at it. It's the way you've just presented it. Wales should have won the first, so after the second, one-one. 
think another way to look at it is the fact that if Wales went out against that same South Africa side, there's no way they could have matched the intensity. I just think I just think Wales would have lost that second test. They played the same team. Um, I mean, it's great because it sets it up for a finale, and that's kind of what we want. Is I suppose kind of neutrals ish. You know, obviously on the home nation to win. Um, I just don't know. I just feel like I just don't want. And to be fair, I don't. Think, I just feel like the media is hyping it up when Ireland's just won for the first time in New Zealand, and then you compare that to people get um, people doing that in with Wales doing it. Sorry, my brother's trying to ring me there. I just had to. I lost. I lost my words. But I just, yeah, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not trying to discredit Wales. It's an incredible achievement. No matter who, what kind of team comes out, you beat them in South Africa. It's an incredible achievement. But um, let's just kind of have a bit of those reality as well, which I think. Um, could could come because of South Africa. It would sound like South Africa at times as well. well to be fair, they're coming out and saying it's all about the series, all about the series. Like they're talking the series too. And Josh Adams scores in the corner. Gareth Anscombe step up. Yeah. Tough tough two years for Anscombe really. He has struggled with his knees and he actually missed the birth of, birth of his son there. Um, and he said a nice quote, which was basically like, you know, it's been tough for me. And when my son asks me, where were you when I was born? I'll just show him that clip, which is quite cool. Uh, a lot, you know, a lot of people seen a few comments on social media that was like, uh, you know, more important things to rugby or whatever. And, but uh, that's pretty cool. Like just, there you are, nailing it over. No, you didn't do that, dad. Look at you now, you chunky, you baldy. But yeah, <laughs> he nailed but it. About, and... But what about, um, I mean, like, our <laughs> wheels, too far to them. Um, they kept in there. Well, that's um, depth too. Anscombe's showing that he can back up bigs. Yeah, so. yeah, and Bigger's kind of, I think looking here, Bigger is in contention to play. Um, they're still, they still haven't released the team yet, so we'll see what teams kind of get announced. I mean, South Africa's announced their team. Have they brought in 10, they've made 10 changes. So, um, yeah, they've I mean, gone big. They've gone the back, boys, back, boys back, back. Colby's back. Yolande, um, you know, maybe be Pollard and kind of. I think it's, I think it's just one of those where we want to back the home nation. Obviously, we do. Um, but I think South Africa are just playing with their food. To be honest, um, <laughs> you look at that side. I look at just looked at it then. Like apart from Andre Pollard and Steph Tatoa a few years ago, it's a completely rotated side. Like it's. And you do that with any other team in in any other top tier nation, they don't probably get close to whoever they're playing. And the fact that they're only point away from it, and you can always argue either way when it's only a point. You know, I'm, I remember Andre Pollard's awful attempt at a penalty. I think it was at one point in the game, and that's a you know it's a win, and then series over. Well done, let's go home. But it's it's not you know it builds the narrative. It it you know if you want to get your tin foil hat on it, part of me thinks like this is just. You know, get the broadcast revenue up, get the people in the stands because yeah, let's actually make something said. out of the third test. You just said Andre Pollard missed the kick, so like, it's, they're not playing. No, I'm he's not, the I'm only not. one in that team who even gets an argument to start, like in an out-and-out, full-strength South Africa team. Like, it's not, and and no, it's just yeah, I don't know. For me, don't get me wrong. Credit to Wales, like they they did what they needed to do. Um, had to win. I think Wales yeah, they, had no, to they win. had to win. But like I said, it's you know that's for the, for the, the greater pressure. of the series. It doubled the pressure. I think it doubled the pressure, but also it also was a thing of like Wales had to win for themselves in order to be like, if you're going to disrespect us, and make 14 changes, 
Like that leaves that leaves one player for the continuity from the previous week. <laughs> like it's mental. Um, but that's the thing. It's that. But that's the way. You know, there's very few teams in the world that can do that. But because of the way South Africa play, because they're so regimented, you can put anyone in that position. I honestly think you could put Sheldon Colby at seven, and he'd know what to do because it's just that rudimentary. The way they play, the instructions, the 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 way they just the way they're set up is just so rudimentary. It's it's like clockwork. It doesn't matter who's put the jersey on. It just matters what the number on the jersey is. That's all that matters. And it's like. Mm-hmm. And that's the way they are. They're just a machine. And you take personality, you take attributes, personal ones out of that. And that team is just a monster. And I'm not being funny. Like, they're going to win it. And uh, and the funny thing is, as well, they're not going to win it by a lot because that's the way South Africa do it. They're going to win by seven, eight, ten points. But they're going to win. They're going to they'll win the series. Um, you know, Wales did what, like you said, they had to do with the pressure on their backs because they had to win that game, particularly the way it was set up. Um but yeah, no, it's also yeah, it's been like- a really test. I think, I think the just like we talked, we did it a lot for the Lions preview. You know, a series in South Africa is so attritional. You know, Bigger and Lewis are in contention, but the fact that they're in contention just shows the grindy nature of it and the attritional nature of just playing physical rugby in South Africa. You know, Cuthbert's missing the third test, and um, so I think it's going to be a real test of. Wales's endurance mentally and physically to kind of keep it going and for them like this is a massive step in terms of kind of if you want to go back to the kind of mantra of you know it's what using the world cup as your kind of pinpoint kind of development it's a massive moment for them just to see if they can um even get close like for me if i was it's just it's about getting close i'm obviously it's different because i'm not a welsh fan so you know really kind of care it's as big as but Ireland's. Like, it's as big as Ireland this week, like in terms of it's as big well, as it, it, it is. Arguably, Ireland's got an asterisk over theirs because you, there was a red card, and Irish fans are saying there's an asterisk over Wales because if South Africa had 14 changes, like both sides, both have got a series up for grabs against top sides in the world, and like it's game on. And to me, to me, it's just though, like. South Africa are just the, the 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 game master. They've got this big script. The fact the team's out this early, I think, is another key indicator on that. They've all gone into training and just gone, yeah, your heart still works, your leg still works. Yeah, let's just do the team that we predicted three weeks ago because we all know what was going to happen anyway. Like this was, they would have known this team three weeks ago. I have absolutely no doubt that's the case. Like it, that's just the way they work. That's the way, it, this is a script. It's a plan and they're just playing the game. And Wales are just the puppet, you know, they're the puppet and South Africa, the puppet master. Um, make it a good series, make it entertaining. Let's fully rotate in the second test. No one else does that and still make it a good game. And let's go and do it again. Like it's honestly like they were playing the Maoris midweek. Dirk's remarks, you just going strong. Yeah, I think like a 2013 winter South Africa, which doesn't sound incredible, but they'll never ever in the game be in danger of losing it. They'll probably even go behind, but it's the way they work. Uh, I think it'll be more convincing. I think 25, 13. I just think free back-to-back test against the Springboks to take out wheels and you already see him with the bodies it has and South Africa rest in last week. <coughs> to be fair, I think it was more the can these boys go free tests in a row as well? Lots of South African boys play a lot of rugby, so like I think there was a bit of a bit of a rest factor too. You win the first test, potentially lose the second test by routine, and then win the third test. I think it was all planned with that. So now I'm gonna go take South Africa sold. 12-point win. Zach? Yeah, I think South Africa win by two scores. But, I mean, at the same time, like I've just sat here and kind of rinsed wheels for 
you know, celebrating beating the Nations B team, even though that B team could make the semi-finals of the World Cup. But I mean, you know what? You never, you just never know. Like you never know with this game. You never know the series. These series kind of in the Southern Hemisphere prove that. I mean, I'd love to see Wales win. I would love to see it. Um, packed out Cape Town, you know, it would be special. Um, be great to kind of just see like a big George North performance. That would be amazing, just kind of meeting the physicality and stuff. But um, at the same time with my head, I'm being like, yeah, I mean, it'll be, South Africa will be two scores clear by 80 minutes, I think. And then I on think, to, yeah. On to the final. Scotland Argentina uh, preview. For me, this this series kind of did probably doesn't get the respect it deserves. Um, last game it's tough to watch four and a bounce. Uh, but now jokes aside, it's it was a series that Scotland didn't bring their two most influential players because a lot of people I think in that Scotland team rely too heavily on Stuart Hogg and Finn Russell because Stuart Hogg and Finn Russell are multiple Lions players. You know, playing in European finals against each other, they are proper world class players. You're picking world teams, they're in the squad type vibe. You know, I, I think we all realized when Finn Ross came on that third test and started throwing seeds that if they didn't have Achilles problem, Lions might have, might have beat South Africa. Like, so, and for them, just to rest them both and put a good number on Argentina is a little indication to say, look, we have depth. You know what I mean? I know the plan Hamish Watson do have, but they're smartly rotating boys in. And that's the best way, always, in my opinion, to value players is like you're playing alongside who you would play with if you broke on. So like the argument of just um, playing USA will give you a cap against USA, but like everyone's getting fresh caps. Like these guys are getting proper caps. Like these are properly earned caps, you know, Ali prices. They're all there. Like everyone else is there other than the big two. And if they can win 2-1 without those two, it will give these boys a lot of confidence going into World Cup. And I've always said, scarily, they're in Ireland's Africa's group ready to cause an upset and they've got the talent to do it. So I think, talk about impressive, I think that is right up there with Ireland beating the All Blacks and the All Blacks. I genuinely do. Yeah, I think yeah. it's one of those, I think, on a whole for Scotland, I actually, I'm going to shine them in a relatively positive light for once, which yeah. is, I feel like the the Arsenal, you know, the, the, the way that Scotland have always attacked has been obviously very fluid, very creative. But for me, albeit I didn't watch the full game, but from watching highlights and stuff, the physicality of Scotland is what surprised me and what I think is good for them because I think when you're playing against the top teams, being able to rely on, I think Ferguson had a great game. Um, even just a very simple try, like as Johnson's, when you're just hitting up hard 12 and he identifies the gap and it's just straight through and over. And it's, it's simple, very simple rugby, but it's clinical rugby. And I think that's something that we always say Scotland would probably miss because they're so reliant on just backdoor, backdoor, let's get it to Hog, let's get it to Russell. Um, and sometimes, you know, when, when those, when those aren't working, it's, it's then the answers start to dissipate off the page. But I think, yeah, that, that's what surprised me with Scotland. And I think, yeah, the reason they could put such a high number on Argentina, who probably were relatively poor in terms of their defending. Um, but they, they did what they had to do. They made the most of those attacks and they, um, they showed their clinicalness, which I think is good for Scotland. I think that's I like a, a, a game in their arsenal they need. 
someone like a Sam Johnson's really nailed down that 12 jersey and, you know, Cam Redpath and all that were coming up. Like, players like that are just, like, nailing down jerseys. Um, and that I think having someone like Rory Dodge as well. Rory Dodge is a, is a serious, serious player. I know we kind of saw him. We kind of saw him break on in the Six Nations, um, particularly on the international stage. But the guys seriously got it. And I think having that focal point for Scotland in the pack as well is going to be a big factor. You know, you've seen flashes in the pan and we've seen players come in and have a really influential game in those four positions for Scotland. But to have someone who could potentially be a leader who could, you know, pivot that attack in the forwards might just give them that other aspect they need so that they're not so reliant on Russell and Hogg when they do come back into the team. You think about all this confidence it's going to give Daj and how he's probably going to command the ball much. You know, his ball carrying is incredible. And I think that's something that they need to utilise. Ferguson as well. Like yeah, it's I mean, young, Scottish, born, bred, quality. And that's what they want. Yeah. They want more Hogs and Russells and people like, you know, they're from Scotland, DNA. I know the do hands and all are fun, but... You that's know, the thing, though. You think about the Scottish culture, like the Viking culture, like it's not Russell and it's not Hog. That's not them. It, it is Daj. It's Ferguson. It's Watson. It's those boys. It's... That is Scotland. That's the way I see it. And anyway, like that is what they should be. Mm. So... Yeah, I think I think the tour, like I think you're right. Like it kind of gives players game time, chance to nail down jerseys, bit of confidence, getting a, a, a series win in the Southern Hemisphere. And I might not be the big three, but it's still a series win. I think for Scotland, it definitely it definitely ex, ex, um, exposes weaknesses. I think um, Blair Kinghorn just um, yeah, he's just not he's not Finn Russell's replacement. I don't think. So kind of like back to the drawing board in that one. Um, very kind of one-dimensional side-running player, reminding me a lot like myself back in the day. Um, so, so no, but I think prediction predict- predictions. Um, like, you know what? Go on, Scotland. Get away win. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. I, I think Scotland won the series. I think they're putting another good performance. This one a bit closer, maybe. Win by five points. <laughs> 20, Sorry, yeah, I think there's a complete other side note to this, which is like, what does it look like for Argentina to lose a home series against the squad? Which you could Michael argue, Cheka. Michael Cheka's fresh in the job, like he's yeah. and he's losing. He's win this. I think, I think we kind of we're so focused on home nations, we forget the ramifications sometimes for um, kind of the, the home the home teams in the, in the Southern Hemisphere. That and these lose. two have got history. These two have got proper history, yeah. these two sides and World Cups and stuff. So, so nah, it, it, it really blew this, it blew this, um, blew this series and like alive, really. And there'll be people tuning in now. Um, but yeah, Arv, what's your prediction? Yeah, I think I'm in agreement. I think Scotland are going to win. I kind of want Scotland to win, which is kind of weird for me. But yeah, I want Scotland to win. I think... I think it's also going to be semi-convincing. I think there's a real mentality problem in the Argentinian side, and I think there has been for a very long time. Uh, I don't think Czech has solved that quite yet. Um, and I think, yeah, I think they're going to beat him by 15 points. It's going to be a fairly convincing win. I think they find that, like I said, that key in the Arsenal that they needed. Um, and I think that's what's going to put them, that's what's going to separate the two teams. But no, I'm mad that we could sit here with, all you know, no hemisphere wins. Um, Are Japan gonna get a win. We need to mention that one. <laughs> no, <laughs> Japan gonna nick the last list. <laughs> you know, Ireland win and can you know? Can I, I was looking at the French team. They're like they're they're rotating, but their rotation, but like South Africa, it's right up there. So yeah, yeah. no, 
yeah, I don't know. Something's telling me, but I don't think it won't be a clean, clean sweep series. That would be genuinely incredible. I'm going for a 50-50 split, but thanks again, boys. We'll, we'll hear next week how we got on and how many sides did win the series, but every game's still alive, well, other than the France-Japan series. Um, <laughs> Jerry to Georgia, too. Big one. Big yeah. One. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fair play, Georgia. Talk about the recap. Put down a statement, but that's a pod for another day. Um, so, if you made this fan of the podcast, give us a follow on Spotify at Southway Podcast, follow us on Instagram at Southway Podcast, Twitter at Rugby Telf, and YouTube the Southway Podcast. Um, cheers, boys, and I'll catch you next week. Cheers, cheers. cheers.